philosopher Goethe says, all truly wise thoughts have been thought already thousands of times. But to make them truly ours, we must think them over again honestly, till they take root in our personal experience. Welcome to Thinking Aloud, where it is my goal to think twice. Before we have children, we're experts in parenting. And there are many experts in parenting who still don't have children and yet are still telling us how to do it best. Saw a woman on a reel recently talking about parenting advice and how it has changed through the decades. Her first expert that she chose was from 1912. And the second one she chose was from World War II. And then magically today. With very little consideration given to the world that our grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, and even we have lived through. Multiple wars, global strife, mind-blowing advances in technology, social changes, the deconstruction of Christianity, the construction of a global identity. All of those things are not a blip in our worldview. You can't discredit the weight of the world around you or the way it affects your worldview. Naturally, the way that you see the world is often expressed in your relationships and specifically here will manifest itself in your parenting. I think about the world my grandfather grew up in. He was born in a small town off the Black Sea in Odessa, Ukraine. He and his family came to the United States. He came through Ellis Island on a cattle boat in 1907. I mean, that's another world entirely. It might as well be another planet compared to the world that I live in and the one in which I raised my children. He was an immigrant. They were poor. They lived through World War I the Great Depression. They were homesteaders in North Dakota. If you've ever been to North Dakota, there's not a lot there to homestead. He worked construction. He was not a complicated man. He didn't speak very good English. My father, on the other hand, grew up, became a believer around 18, went to college. He became a preacher He was a man of literature and poetry who traveled the world and experienced things that his father could never have understood. One time when I was a high schooler and probably being extremely difficult, my father knocked on my door and through the wooden panels said that he had made it his determination to make sure to always tell his children that he loved them. Because that was not something he heard much from his father. Maybe at all. And I will tell you this. No matter my father's failings or successes, I know my father loved his children. So that was a win. That was a success. My mom had a childhood clouded with trauma. She was born during the Great Depression in the Oklahoma Dust Bowl. One of the stories that they tell was how they came to Oregon with very, very little money and a bag of oranges. She came from a large family. 
And my mom's answer to conflict, more often than not, was to shut down completely. And I get it. I get not wanting to have a fight with your kids. I get not wanting to have a fight with with anybody. But I looked back on that and thought, I want to do better than that. I looked back at the, the ways that my, my parents raised me and the things that they believed were critical and important. And I wanted something different myself. I wouldn't say that I said that out of arrogance, but there was definitely plenty of it there. I saw the flaws. I saw the weaknesses in my parents. So I looked around me and I embraced the experts. I won't name it, but there was a very strict disciplinarian parenting group that was very popular 25 years ago. I struggled because I felt it was what I was supposed to do. But in my heart, I didn't want little robot kids who could parrot the 23rd Psalm but had no personal moral compass. One of the main um, directives toward little ones that they would talk about, like five, I think five, six, seven-year-olds, was the um, immediate yes. They have to say yes when you ask them to do something. Yes, anything less than that was conveyed to me as disobedience. And the problem I had with that was I don't respond to my Heavenly Father with that level of immediacy myself. So why am I expecting this standard of behavior from my little one? It just seemed inconsistent. 25 years ago, I didn't have the broad range of mom blogs, parenting articles, and websites at my disposal. I didn't have peers around me that were emphatically telling me they had all the answers. I had to wrestle with ideas that were brand new to me, and we had to create a family dynamic that reflected what we believed was worthwhile and gave us purpose and vision. And of course, it changed and grew, and things we thought were really critical at one point were discarded, and others were accepted along the way. Today, I hear lots and lots of catchphrases, really passionate speeches about the capital R right way to parent. There's gentle parenting, there's biblical parenting, there's free-range parents, there's helicopter parents. We had tiger moms and the denim jumper brigade of conservative Christian women. Now y'all have crunchy moms and sad beige moms. And if you don't get that reference, look up sad beige on Instagram. She's hilarious. But the thing we all have in common, all of these moms, all of these parents together, is that we really genuinely do want to do the very best we can for our kids. We want to eliminate and avoid all those gross feelings of resentment, of regret or disappointment. They cloud our mind they feel bad. We want to see the success of our children. We want to make sure the needs we saw in ourselves that went unmet are not unmet in them. And there's actually a really significant flaw in that mindset. Because what if the needs I had 
that went unmet aren't the same unmet needs that my children have. We need to know our children well enough to know, do they need the full closet of shoes and clothes? Maybe you were poor and didn't have enough shoes, so man, they're going to have every pair they need. But they don't care because they want something different. Do you know them well enough? What if they don't want a super present parent because you vowed not to be absent, but they feel smothered? What if you have a child who learns how to manipulate you beyond your capacity to gentle parent and you spiral into anger and frustration? What if? What if your strict disciplinarian methods produced a hard-hearted rebel? What if all your Sunday school and biblical curriculum produced a proud, arrogant know-it-all? Or worse yet, a skeptic who despises your faith? What if? What if? What if? It is terrifying. But I want to tell you something. You will always look back and see how you could have done better. You could have been more kind. You could have been wiser. You could have been better organized. The best parenting advice you've ever heard for a two-year-old, you will hear when your youngest is seven. The perfect planner will present itself two years after you quit homeschooling. Ask me how I know. Even the little choices we have made will have the capacity to divert our lives in completely overwhelming and surprising ways. And we'll look back and say, it seemed like such a small thing. How did we get here? It was just a class. It was just a birthday party. It was just insert scenario. And then you will wrestle with regret. And then you'll see your kids fight and that cocoon that you've put them in to keep them safe, they'll have to fight their way out of. And you want to help beyond all reason, but you know that you can't. Because if you help them too much, they will never learn to fly. It's a trap we all fall into, all of us. And the what-if game, the regret circle, the comparison dialogue that steals the joy of what we had and makes us feel small and insignificant in the face of a massive weight, a massive weight of a world that we're forced to navigate. I was reading the Bible recently and thinking about the story of Jacob. He made so many bad choices. If only he'd done. If he hadn't been sneaky. If, if, if. What would have happened? His kids were a mess. Reuben was messed up. His daughter was assaulted. His boys go crazy. They killed people. They fought each other. They hated each other. They competed for everything. They sold their little brother into slavery. That's a, that's a problem. His marriage, marriages, were a mess. I mean, he came by chaos, honestly. Abraham and Isaac had their fair share of crazy. But God. But God. It's not the path that we take that matters as much as the one who takes it with us. And he can redeem even the worst parent fail. When they're tiny, we worry about feeding them enough, giving them enough of, insert thing here, the right food, the right people, and influences the right. We want to get it all right. But pro tip, you won't. You will fail. You will lose your temple. You will temper. You will feed them garbage sometimes. You'll find out that person you thought was a good influence. What wasn't? 
And you'll see them struggle with a friend who breaks their heart and a family member who breaks down a life of investment with a few well-placed bitter words, feeding a seed of resentment you didn't even know existed, and then you'll wrestle with that until hopefully you find each other again. And you will fight. Oh, you will. Just don't fight with each other. You fight for ideals, vision, the purpose you felt was so clear and simple all those years ago. You will fight against an identity, generational, cultural, spiritual, or even personal, that seems to attach or challenge that perfect image of family you had in your mind. When my boys were teenagers and conflict was constant, it felt constant, it wasn't, we had good times, I determined I would never stop fighting. But I wasn't going to fight them. I was going to fight for them. I was going to fight for relationship with them. I was going to fight for their hearts. No matter what they threw at me, I would be fierce in my defense of their value, their capacity, and their importance to me and the world around them. I remember telling them, I will never stop fighting for you. When they would be depressed or struggle, I would say, I am fighting for the person I know you are. No one sees your kids like you do. No professional blogger, TikTok reel, or therapist will ever have the capacity to fight for them and love them in whatever state they choose to be. Not like you can. The village is super helpful and community is really important. But sometimes it's 2 a.m. and it's just you and a broken heart or an angry cynic or an arrogant know-it-all, and that weight falls on your shoulders. So press in. This is what you've been training for. That's what you've been refined for, to be the constant reflection of a God who loves them, a God who isn't afraid of their questions, a father who invests, a teacher who guides, a brother who comes alongside. All of that can be reflected through you to them, not because an expert told you to, but because you have been equipped. Why do I know that is true for every parent? Because God knows you. He gave you these children. You will fail. You will see methods and philosophies and psychologies and YouTube video experts giving advice that you will take as a mandate not as a suggestion, as a command, not as a good idea. Your foundation will rattle. The things you believe to be true might not be about yourself, about God, about family. And you will question. And then regret will come knocking on your door with a battering ram. But don't give up. Don't give in. It's a trap. Because you do have the answer. And an answer is the same one that Jacob had when his kids were a wreck. But God. God didn't ask you to be a perfect parent. He's perfect, and you've met his kids. We're a train wreck. He asked you to be present. He asked you to be the parent who takes the time to know their children and invest in them the things that they actually need. He gave you these kids. However they ended up in your arms, you were the one chosen to reflect him to them. 
Don't fall into the parent trap where regret immobilizes you, freezes you, tempts you to be resentful or give up. For such a time as this, you have been given these children, whether they are infants, little ones, complicated teenagers, barely formed adults, beyond. There will never come a time when your child, no matter how old they are, is too old to hear you say, I love you and I'm proud of you. How can I help and what do you need? Thanks for the chat and I look forward to seeing you again next time on Thinking Aloud.